City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City City Limits. Good morning. Good morning, Kevin. Morning, Corey. Corey Green over there. I'm Kevin Healy. John McPherson's in the studio. That means it's the first Wednesday of the month, and it's actually the first of the month, John. And yeah, we couldn't be any earlier. We're, we're 33% into winter, more or less. Yeah, oh, that's a good thought. Yep. Yeah, yep. and uh, and it's... Uh, well, Halfway suppose. through another dreary year of the, of the <laughs> Abbott government. <laughs> thought you were going to say dreary, dreary year of city limits, but thank no. you for that. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, this is never no, dreary. There's bigger drearies than us. <laughs> That's not exactly praise, but, anyway. <laughs> but um, it is city limits. John's going to talk transport. And in the first half, we're all going to have a, also going to have a quick yarn to Julie McDonald from down in Gippsland, Merbourne North. Julie's a long-term campaigner. Um, uh, union activist, etc., and she's been down there for a while now and has thrown herself into issues to do with mining in particular. And the last couple of Fridays, she's gone on to Talkback. She's rung Talkback on the Friday morning Keep Left program and uh, fairly fairly short grabs on that, and she's uh, talked about a mining problem down there, an exploration problem. So we're going to ask her what it's about and give her a chance to explain it. I think there's got some activities on mm. as well, so we'll catch up with that, John. And we'll also talk transport. So there you are. Have you got anything, uh, Corey, you wanted to belt out at this stage? To, no. Any, I'm, any grand issue? I'm happy with the Gippsland mining. Right. Well, I'm very right. unhappy with the Gippsland mining. Right. And right. also transport. I've got quite a few interesting things I found out about transport on the old Google yesterday. Right, yeah. All right. Mm. Well, look forward to it. I'm a bit excited to share it all. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know John's going to have a... <laughs> John's well, I don't know if I'll be able to keep up. <laughs> John's shaking with excitement <laughs> this morning. Well, for once, uh, I'm going to be able to keep up with John. Well, yes, and, and just a couple of things I wanted to talk about at the start, because uh, last week we mentioned there's a move on by business to get hold of workers' compensation insurance, and the end result of that's obviously going to be once profit comes into it, absolutely, workers will lose out very badly. In fact, in all they talked about, they talked about the players, including business and government and themselves, etc., etc., but workers, injured, injured workers didn't seem to come into their conversation at all. And, of course, we've been talking for some time also about superannuation where the government mm. thinks it's wrong that unions, unionists should be on the boards of, of union super funds yes. looking after their own workers' money. Mm. Uh, they need independence, etc. And, of course, ignoring the minor fact that the union funds are doing far better than the so-called independence they want to put on them running other funds yes. because they take much greater salaries and fees, of course, as well. Mm. Uh, but with, they're, they're moving in that direction. So um, With supers and, and workers' comp, like, what's the argument? that they're going to do it more efficiently. Well, that's um, always the argument. They're, they're yeah, but how are they actually going to do it more efficiently? <laughs> well, that's, you don't have to say how you're going to do it more efficiently. Well, the same you just as, say you're going to do it more efficiently. Yeah, the same way that electricity and gas and everything else, public transport are now far more efficient because they've been privatised. So that's okay. Same, same efficiency. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that's how it works. Efficient oh. equals more fees go to the top end of yeah, town. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so it's like a more efficient redistribution of wealth upwards. Upwards, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. She's learning this girl, isn't she? Yeah. yeah she's that's, that's <laughs> I'll have you know that I'm a, a girl, woman. Not a girl, yes, I knew that. I, I was she waiting, is a I was, woman. I was waiting for that comeback. <laughs> Look, I'm a freaking adult. I'm old enough to have my own children. Are you? Yeah. She's old enough to have her own children. What do you know? We better not investigate. No. Speaking of um, speaking of those who may or may not be um, old enough, but they probably are old enough. But um, hospitality workers, many of whom are young people, you might have noticed last week. We keep talking about inadvertently how people get underpaid all the time, and no no one ever gets inadvertently overpaid. But uh, the ombud. It's a pity that this is always brought out by the Fair Work Ombudsman, who happens to be a woman, by the way, Natalie James, but uh, and not by the unions, because most of these people. People aren't in unions, unfortunately, but she, she, they found 456 businesses shortchanged 2,752 employees by more than 1.215 million, 
And um, one worker was actually inadvertently underpaid by $40,000, which is pretty big inadvertent, isn't it? Pretty. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so are you uh, saying, in fact, that management can't handle the books better than average workers? Ah. Well, okay, I see where you're going. Where's the efficiency <laughs> here if they can't even do the accounts Well, correctly? the efficiency, it goes back to government it's regulation, the same sort of unfortunately. Yeah, look, the money efficiently the, stays in the business for the, look, to be paid to the people who own the business, John, not the people who work for the business. The well-named John Hart from the Restaurant and Catering Australia, because he's always the chief executive and he's obviously got a lot of heart for the workers, uh, he said the problem was that they, there'd been changes to the award system and worker and employers were getting confused by it. Yeah. Uh, they weren't so confused they overpaid anybody, but they were so confused they underpaid a lot of people. Mm. Um, mm. Poor John. And um, But he, he didn't apologise. He, he actually attacked the ombudsman for releasing the report. Um, this is true. He, he, he said uh, he criticised the regulator able report and timing of its release. He said the underpayments were two years old and occurred when businesses were transitioning to modern awards. He questioned the timing only days before employers made final submissions to the Fair Work Commission calling for cuts to penalty rates. He said the findings should have been made public about a year ago. It's too much of a coincidence, he said, that they actually did it when the poor caring employers are trying to uh, cut penalty rates. So there you are. It's an interesting tendency in in, in government ministers, you know, that you don't release any of your reports. You get um, apparently... Turnbull has had a, a. While you're talking, John, do you want a cup of tea? Yeah, please, yeah. Cool. Turnbull's had a report done oh. into the um, Q&A nonsense that went on last week, mm. and that's not going to be released. No, no, it's an internal report. No, we're not allowed to see that. It's becoming very, very normal amongst Abbott, Abbott government ministers. Things don't get released. Interesting this morning, by the way, just as an item of interest, Corey, what you're missing out on, this is mm. white tea with ginger and jasmine flowers this morning. Now, it's funny you should mention white, because have you noticed that a lot of the Abbott reports that involve race are actually called white papers? <laughs> mm. Like the ones about the refugees and closing of the homeland communities? Yeah. yeah, and speaking of refugees, the other item I wanted to raise, of course, is the Labor Party is now talking about agreeing with the government on turnbacks and sending them all back to Indonesia, mm. give them a can of petrol and a boat and send them mm. back. Mm. But... Um, but the good thing is that the Labor Minister said they'd do it with compassion, whereas the government doesn't. So, uh, oh, yes. so the difference between giving them a can of petrol and turning them around with compassion and not with compassion, I can't quite work out, but maybe someone can explain it to me, John. Our Labor will give them high-octane petrol. Give them, give them two <laughs> cans of petrol. <laughs> give them an extra can. Labor will, Labor will only shoot refugees if they have to. Right. Ah, okay, right. Yes, and they'll feel really bad about it. Yeah. yeah. Now, the other one, just in my usual little crack at the uh, the good old Herald Sun, you'll be pleased to know uh, they had a headline on Monday on the front page about um, Violent City or something, some mm-hmm. incredible headline. And inside, a double-page spread, Cities Crime After Dark, Assaults on Rise in Sin City, etc., etc. Now, if you read down the story, this could have had two headlines because... Down in the story, it said the crime rate in the city overall was remaining steady or trending downwards. Oh, police oh. inspector Binion said this was a great achievement given the increased population. He talks about what great jobs the police are doing. The Royal says it's great. We're looking after people. So that's all about the fact that actually sure. the crime rate's going down. But you read the headline, all the pictures, and it's all about this terrible crime wave. Now, the headline could well have been crime rate do- drops, but it, it wasn't. It was city crime after dark. So they so, not oh, very I see. exciting. That's, they would sort of argue that that's a neutral headline, you see. Oh, I see, I see. With ir- all the ir- irrespective of the pictures of cops below it with, with it, cops belting people up at you. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and mm. just to um, go back to where we were a little while ago with mm. Corey, um, on Mondays also, a bloke called David Kosh, who does a morning show, and I must have never watched these things and know much about them, but he and David and Libby Kosh, I assume they're partners, every week give people advice on money and how to make more money and save, etc. Etc. And this week, they so it's number one, be born rich. Yeah, that's that's not a bad start. Okay. And they this week they said it's time for women to think money. Why? In the main, women earn less than men. They live longer, and their savings have to be stretched over more years than men. So they give women advice on how, because they've got less less money, how to save and do the right thing about it. But nowhere do they suggest that maybe women should get the same money as men. Mm. That, that would be one solution. I would have thought. Mm. 
Uh, outrageous. Would be yeah. a start, wouldn't it? Yeah. Outrageous. Are you saying the same money for the same work or? Well, yes, or whatever. I mean, just the same money. Like, yes, yes. All right. That's what I'm suggesting. I mean, women I, did I, win I, equal equal pay in 1972. They won equal mm, pay. Mm. Did they? Yep. Big campaign. Zelda, Zelda DiPrano chaining herself to the bar of the pub opposite the magistrate's court or it was. Did, yeah. Didn't yeah. that start with the, the accountants? Oh, I don't know. No, the women, the, the women in the, in the... There was a big campaign in 72. They officially were given legal, legally equal pay. It's just that it hasn't quite happened yet. I mean, yeah... I, I, I knew that that happened, but I think it's um, they get eighty three cents to the dollar now. I think it's less than. I think it's, it's been going down. Something. I think, I think yeah, it's I it was bit, in the seventies. I think yeah. it's in the seventies. Mm. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it's actually been sliding. I think in the last decade or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's nothing funny about that. No, no nothing no, at all. No, but anyway, they, no. they didn't think it was worth saying that maybe women could have more money if they got, had more money. They don't have to advise them on how to save with less money, which seems to me to be uh, going at it from the wrong direction, but that's their point. Look, let's go to Julie McDonald, have a talk about mining and things in Gippsland. All right. Okay, we're going to go to a track. Um, this is Joan Baez with her version of Imagine. Okay, Mike's on and uh, Joan Byers there with uh, Imagine. I've got a great version of Sarah Vaughan doing that. I love jazz singers doing popular songs. There's also a version of Peggy Lee around. I've got doing mm. um, what I did for Love from the chorus line and uh, yeah. and um, Diana Crow doing a great version of the Billy Joel song, Just the Way You Are. Yeah, there's some great versions around. But anyway. Bring it in, oh, Kev. Bring it in. <laughs> Peggy so Lee. There you are. Remember Peggy Lee. The great Peggy Lee. <laughs> hey, John's reminiscing right. now. So, <laughs> we haven't, so that was just Joan Byers yeah, with her version of Imagine. That was Joan. Now we've got Julie. Yes, Julie McDonald's on the line. Hello. Oh, good morning. How are you? Morning, Jewel. And, and I, I can't sing. I was, <laughs> <laughs> neither can we. That's why we use records. Um, Jewel, um, last, um, a couple of last couple of weeks I mentioned you rung in on Friday morning about mining down in Gippsland. I did mention to people that you were, you were a long, I hope you don't mind me saying it, a long-term activist in both union and community affairs. And uh, that's a great thing to say about someone. it. Is so a great thing, yeah. But the long term bit, you mightn't appreciate. <laughs> um, the uh, Jewel, I'm just. It's a chance for you just to tell us exactly what's going on down there. What's the current issue you're you're really up about? Well, at the moment, um, our community is really up in arms and very unsettled. We've got um, mantle mining. We have lodged an application to mine for black coal around here. Which, um, yeah, which the state government has given the approval for, and they've actually put themselves onto the stock market. So they're looking for black coal. I think they want to open up, reopen up some co- um, old coal mines. Two, we've got coal seam gas, which you know has been an ongoing fight for the last three or four years. And also, at the moment, we've got a um, seismic survey coming through town with all these yellow markers all over the place. So people are just really, you know, very and town, insecure and upset. Just butting in, Jill, town being Merbu North, we didn't mention it, I don't think, but you're yeah, down. Merbu North, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. And so people are very, very upset. And we've actually opened up um, a community shop in the community shed to help people and to write submissions and things like that. And at, we went to the market last Saturday and people are rushing to... Um, to fill out our surveys, write letters. Yeah, people have just generally really, they don't know the insecurity of it all. Because up here, it's a lot of farming, mm. a lot of farming. And also with the fires and all that in Morwell last year and the air quality in Morwell, yeah. I don't know about writing submissions to people who are insane enough to keep looking for fossil fuels in the face of climate change. Sorry, I didn't quite catch the first part of that, sorry. Um, I don't know about writing submissions to people who are insane enough to keep looking for fossil fuels in the face of climate change. Oh, no, that's to um, to the politicians. See, we have to submit mm. and say why we don't want it. And this is to by the 10th of July. And this is to um, Daniel, because Daniel Andrews has actually given them this licence, has renewed this licence. It's only just to have a look. It's not actually to mine it at the moment. But what they've done was last time they submitted it, about three years ago, they included the town, and this time they've excluded the town. But it's it's sort of mighty close to the town. Hmm. It's sort of right on the edges of the town. Hmm. But and like with this, um, the seismic test, 
uh, the seismic survey, um, what this, which is being done by Geoscience Australia, which is funded by taxpayers, which is a geological, hydrological survey to see, um, to scientifically see what's happening under the ground. They kind of put images in to see where the plates, because we've got a lot of fault lines around here. Mm. But it says here, because everyone got a letter to say that it was going on. It says the results will be, will, will be used to improve the scientific understanding of the potential impacts of developing onshore gas. So, you know, we sort of... <laughs> uh, Terrific. The taxpayers are actually funding for them to have a look. I mean, in itself, it's, it's not so bad seismic um, survey to see what's actually happening, but a lot of people who know a lot more than what I do are saying with offshore down around um, Bass Strait that it's actually sinking because of their offshore, the ground sinking. There's a lot more earthquakes. I was talking to a woman yesterday who lived in Morwell, and she said since the um, earthquake a couple of years ago, her house shakes all the time. hasn't stopped shaking. Has anyone done a cost-benefit analysis of this proposed project? <laughs> oh, look, probably costing them millions. Hmm. I mean, I'm just thinking if I had a crayon in the back of an envelope and I had to figure out, I don't know, 30 years of coal mining versus uh, farming forever, I'd still probably be able to come up with the oh, right answer. Yeah, look, it's just ludicrous mm. because, I mean, what they're saying, what mantle mining are saying, it, it, the transition from from um, from black coal over to renewable because they're going to use some hydro tech. Thing, but it's a lot of rubbish. It's still getting into the um, into the water. I know. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a people are moving away from black coal. I mean, all this is just in case India want to buy our coal in a couple of years' time. They're doing this. It's just in case they might want to. Well, I don't know if anyone saw the Four Corners program. They were saying that India will will actually um, skip that part and just move on to renewables. Straight to renewables, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they should be thinking about setting up like they do in Europe setting up solar um, stations for people. Mm, I was about to say that, that but the same money would build a fair bit in wind farms or solar panels, etc., uh, and also of uh, you know how you treat displaced workers, because when you do close mines and, and power stations, workers are displaced, obviously, but that's, that's part of the consideration, but that's where some of the money should be going. But they're not looking at that, Kevin. I mean, I went to a, a talk about a month ago, because the Greens came up to meet... Um, uh, Voices of the Valley to show them around and show them what was happening and there was a meet, big, you know, it was an open for everyone to go to and we went along to it. I mean, there's so much knowledge down in Latrobe Valley because the people there, it's a generational thing as well and, I mean, some of the ideas and what, and what you're saying is true, they are displaced but they've got so many ideas on how to create employment and what to do but no one's listening to them. Mm. You know, they could be going down other avenues but they're not listening. What are some of the ideas, Jill? Sorry, I can't. Um. <laughs> Sorry, I asked the question then. <laughs> I'm not sure. when, 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 I kind of, when they come to all this hydro, blah, blah, blah. So you what know, it, they kind of go off and I'm kind of, yeah, okay. But um, it looks like I've got some really great ideas. Like you said, yeah, hydro. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll probably follow up next using week. Using renewable energy. We'll follow up next week because we haven't confirmed it yet, but we're hoping to talk to, there's a couple of people making a film about the Morwell fire and the aftermath of it and... Uh, we're going to hopefully talk to one of them next week so we can follow that one up. But the thing with this, I mean, this has come off the back of the Morwell fires as well. And I think because around here, but they have, um, at the moment, because there's a monitorium on Colston Gas, and we went yesterday to sale because they're, um, they had a meeting for people to submit their, you know, their, about what's going on. I mean, the only thing I'm hoping is that the... Um, Tourism industry and the farming is just too big. It's too big an opposition for them, you know, and mm-hmm. they're fighting back. And that's, but yeah, that's all I'm hoping. It's a bit so mad. We'll wait and see, hey? It's a bit mad when you've got, you know, you're st- they're still sucking gas out of um, Bass Strait at a great rate. That's right. I think someone, one of your listeners rang up, Kevin, uh, Ken Murney, who worked for the Gas and Fuel for many, many years. Yeah. And he said that there was over 500 wells in there in Bass mm-hmm. Strait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's 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 a bit. It, I mean, the scale the scale of the gas that's coming out of Bass Strait, you'd you'd still think would would satisfy any needs, without having right. to start wrecking wrecking the hills around um, Melbourne North. Well, even the prom. I mean, all these yeah, people yeah. travel from all over the world to come and have a look at the prom. Mm, I mm. mean, it's it's a great tourist mm. thing. I mean, the 
council wants to increase the population from 28,000 to 40,000, I think having great big coal, because this is going to be open and cut. Oh, right. <laughs> I mean, I don't think people are going to want to move in. I mean, people are even talking about moving now. They've had enough of it. Mm. This has been going on for so long. Mm. And I think mm. people aren't as gullible as what they were, because they're saying, oh, but we used to do this 40, 50 years ago. But people aren't as gullible as what they used to be. And but, uh, it's actually built down in the Trove mm. Valley. They've actually built, um, they've opened up a clinic to test people's breathing, mm. which shows, you know, there's some concern there. Certainly. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, just just the output from the normal brown coal power stations, I mean, there must be a lot lot of particulate uh, emissions that, that um, shower everybody in the valley. Yeah. Oh, look, you go down there, but you do come complacent. I mean, yeah. every time I go down there, I have a look and you see the smoke. Yeah. And, yeah. But you do yeah. become complacent. Yeah. After. Everywhere you look, you see them. Yeah. And yeah. You don't, you well, if that area, if, if your area's got lots of fault lines underneath... That's correct, there is. Yeah. Well, that means that... that that doing anything with um, coal, seam, coal seam gas and fracking and that sort of thing, um, it's very dangerous because you don't know where the um, the fracking fluids end up and you don't know where the water's going to, you know, the contaminated water's going to end up. That's right. Um, it's, and this is the main concern because, yeah. of the, because of, of the farming. Yeah, yeah. And that's what the farmers are really concerned. And the fact that they can just walk into your land and mm. just say, we're going to sink a a well here, we're going to mine for black yeah. hole here, bad yeah. luck if you don't like it. Jill, that deadline for could people, I presume our listeners could, anyone who's interested could make a submission of some sort just to support you. Yeah, on the, it has to be even by the 10th of July. This is to the to the um, Andrews government to say, you know, um, submissions opposing it. Uh, it's, it's email epc at parliament.vic.gov.au Yep. Okay, we'll get you to repeat that at the end of this. I wanted to go to one other area before we go, because last month we talked about train services to rural Victoria, etc., and I was thinking yesterday, um, Merbu North and Gippsland, because this is Transport Day on this program, uh, I imagine public transport in your part of the world wouldn't actually be be magnificent. Oh, it's fantastic, Kevin. We have two bus services a day. Oh, three, great. I think great. it is a day <laughs> that <laughs> comes through. It's really... I mean, it is nice and cheap. I think it's about a dollar twenty or something. But, yeah, two or three services a day. So you couldn't survive without a car out there, I would imagine, would you? You can't, and you can't... Um, and you can't... Because they don't meet up or anything as well. But they don't even they don't even meet the trains down in Morwell. Not really, no. And they go through an hour. I think the trains leave every hour, come through every That's hour. That's right, yeah. But even if you want to plan your day, I mean, you, you can't. And if you want to go down to, um, say, down to Wonthaggy, just for, you might think, I'm all going to spend some time in Wonthaggy for the day, you can't do it because, yeah, yeah. you get down there and you can't, sort of can't get back again. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. You know, there is yeah. no problem. See, this is what makes this too about this black coal is, I mean, to do this, I have to set it all up. This is going to cost them millions to set all this stuff up. Mm. You know, to transport it and all this sort of stuff is going to cost a lot of money. And we're kind of thinking maybe it is the coal seam they're after, the gas. I think, it, yeah, I, I don't know. My my feeling would be it's the coal seam gas they're more interested in than actually digging up the coal. Well, they're saying that black, see, black coal, I know much about all this stuff, but probably black yeah. coal is more combustible. It, it is, it yeah. As, their argument yeah. is more renewable, it doesn't burn as much. Oh well, you know it's only black coal's only good yeah. compared with brown coal. That's right. It's it's, it's very very relative indeed. <laughs> and I think because with brown coal, my understanding is with brown coal, the country can't pack brown coal and send it off um, overseas. It's it's harder mm. because mm. it's got a lot less energy in 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 per ton of coal, so it's not as attractive as an energy source. But the, why it's used in the in Latrobe Valley is because they could put the power stations right beside the coal mines, yeah. and that's why it's economical. They're saying now, too, people are actually saying that um, because of the runoffs and all that down in Lake Centrance, that's they're right. actually destroying. The fish have got high levels of mercury down mm, in Lake Centrance. Mm, that's mm. right. And, it's, and, and it is destroying the, um, you know, the tourist engine because people aren't fishing there anymore. Mm. Yeah. And just one other thing, Jewel, because uh, you mentioned that they want to double the population or increase it by whatever. Um, th- there, was a, there was a piece in the uh, Age last Saturday week uh, the number of sites the Victorian government selling public properties, selling to private developers, and there are a few in Gippsland, including at Sale and Trelgan. Now, these would be far better off being public housing of some sort, wouldn't they? If you want to oh, replace. there's no public housing, I don't think. Yeah. There used to be, because remember they come through in the 90s and sold them all off, Kevin? Yeah. I think a lot of the houses were SEC houses. Yep. 
and they sold them all off. And um, yeah. our houses here are a lot cheaper than what they are in Melbourne. I think Melbourne, they've just gone crazy. That was a difficult question for you, Jewel. The answer was obviously yes, that was it. Yeah, that is. <laughs> um, I mean, of course you need more public housing. Yeah, another probing city limits because, question. Because housing is a lot cheaper um, around town. I mean, you can sort of buy a house for like two, mm. 300000 But yeah, we definitely need more public housing. Because mm. I work in disabilities and there's not even enough house, housing for people in disabilities. I mean, it's crazy when they should be building more units for them. They're not looking after them properly. Yeah. And obviously the people who have disabilities, you know, would totally be affected by the lack of public transport. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and they mismatch people as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they sort of, they might put, um, like, because people have different levels of disabilities mm. and they mismatch. And I feel sorry for some of these people because I think, God, if I lived in that house, that must be just so scary. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just crazy. Okay, Joel, we're going to have to finish there, but just give us that email again so if people want to um, want to send a submission in to support you. Yeah, look, that would be great. I mean, this is just a process you have to go through. You know, I mean, you're going to have to write these submissions and all that. We just mm. something we need. But hopefully, um, yeah. So what's the email? Sorry, what's the email again? Uh, there's a website. Actually, if you go on the website, the website explains everything, which is call, call and, and call some guests free, Mayor North. Yep. Coal and coal seam gas free Merbu North. Yep, it has all the letters for people if they want to have a look at the net letters and um, what okay. to do, and it explains everything. All right, Jewel, look, we're going to have to leave it there, but look, thanks for your time this morning and good luck with the whole thing. Okay, then, thank you okay. so much. That's all right, okay. Bye-bye. Julie McDonald there, and, uh, and John, you'll be pleased to know Julie, one stage in her life, was uh, worked on the trams as well Woo-hoo. many years ago. Yeah. Oh, well, Doug would have approved for that. Yes, that's uh, Doug Newer. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Working on the trams. Mm. Yeah, so there you are. Okay, look, we'll take a very quick break. Come back and talk to John about um, mm. about transport. Yeah, let's talk transport. <laughs> oh, no. Freeze, fellas, you're under arrest. What do I do? Um, call a lawyer? Hello, Fitzroy Legal Service. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if you are arrested, you should make a no-comment interview. A no-comment interview? Yeah. Well, how do I do that? You say... No comment! To everything? Yes, except your name and address. Every other question you should answer with no comment. So if he asks me what colour my shoes are, I say no comment? Yes, you say... No comment! To everything? Yes, say... No No comment! If you are arrested, exercise your right to contact a lawyer and say no comment. Fitzroy Legal Service proudly supporting 3CR. You're listening to City Limits. Okay, and it's Transport Day. John McPherson, who um, ex... Oh, never mind. He's, a tra- he's our yeah. transport guru. He's yes. done lots of things. Yeah, that's it. Yes. Just transport guru. Yes. And, John, I guess we better start off with the fact that since we last spoke to you yet again, a, a tap dripped or something at headquarters in Trumbic Transport and they stopped all trains mm. the lot. Mm. Um, it struck me that if, if, say, a fire hydrant leaked a bit at the corner of Punt Road and Turak Road or somewhere, mm. um, would they close every road in Victoria as a, <laughs> as a safety precaution? <laughs> well, no they, no, they wouldn't, but then... Then the, then the claim is that our trains are under such wonderful, magnificent centralised control, you see, that there's oh, the one control room where everything happens. Mm, it's not, it's not really, it's not really mm. true, but uh, yes, it was a pretty, a pretty sad morning, that one. Um, people said it actually took hours and hours for some of the services to, st- to start running properly. Mm. Although people were, although the, the official claim was about half an hour or, mm. or forty minutes, and everything was running again, but you know, yeah. So, and do you think it was adult like me who spilled a cup of tea all over the equipment? <laughs> oh, I think in the end they said it was some some leaking pipe leaked leaked something into the into the um, fire, fire alarm system yeah, yeah. or something ah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, some some you know forty year old pipe that that hadn't been. Um, the bit that fascinated maintained. me was though that uh, they said when they stopped all the trains, they also lowered all the boom gates, so they yes. caused traffic chaos. So yes. why would you lower the boom gates when the trains aren't actually running? Well, it's it's the it's the fail safe um, characteristic of uh, railway railway control and signalling. I'm afraid everything right. goes to stop and stop where level crossings is concerned is down, booms down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's the way things are done, folks. I'm sorry. I read an interesting article, John. Um, mm-hmm. This is from the Age. Yes. Um, and it's about uh, the 
uh, the trains missing the city loop mm. to save time. Saw that. Mm. Yeah, what did you think of that? Well, <laughs> up until very recently, the um, metro, the, met, the, the uh, operators of the system, the private operators of the system, have been skipping skipping stations on hundreds and hundreds of services a month mm. to try and get their trains back on time. Um, uh, not just hundreds. Uh, we've got 1,247 go. yep. January to March 2014. There you, there you go. So, <laughs> a lot. Yes. Well, it's hundreds. So, the, so the, new, the new government decided they were going to crack down on this. So they had, they had harsh words with, um, with Metro and said, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And so instead, uh, metros moved over to their other their other um, their other um, way of um, saving time on the trains, which is to avoid going around the underground loop. So that means the trains that instead of coming into the city, say by Richmond, Parliament, Melbourne Central, Flagstaff, Southern Cross, Flinders Street, and then go out again where they came from, they come straight in from Richmond to Flinders Street Station and then reverse and go out. And they can save they can save about eight minutes by avoiding going around the loop. But, of course, it's very inconvenient mm. Yeah, if that's what people. you're expecting. Yes. <laughs> or if it's not it's what same, you're expecting. It's the same, the same issue. You know, the train gets to Richmond and and, um, and then suddenly you're thinking, oh, good, I'm getting off at Parliament, that's my next station, and suddenly you find yourself at, at Flinders Street Station instead, having to s- somehow find, find your way to Parliament. Uh, so it's, so really, it's the same issue. It's it's very inconvenient when trains suddenly don't go where they're supposed to go. Mm. Um, and uh, another problem that we've got is that even when trains are parked at the station, like like Flinders Street, and as- announcements are made on the platform that say, uh, "Folks, by the way, this train isn't going where you thought it was going. It's going going somewhere else." There's no way that that announcement can be put through the public address system actually in the train. So if you don't hear the public address announcement wafting into the train, if you're sitting in the train, you don't hear it. Mm. And some trains, of course, the doors close while the trains are sitting there, which is logical in hot or cold weather to do that. But there's no there's no way that the announcement is properly made through the public address system on the train. Yes, that can happen. You can get a train that comes into Flinders Street and you know it's going somewhere mm. and you get you leave and find out that now it's going somewhere mm. else. Mm. Uh, mm. And yeah, it probably it was announced at Flinders Street, mm. but if you're reading a book or something mm. or whatever, you, mm. do, you just mm. don't hear it. No, no. Now, you know, you a, kind a of proper, expect the proper, train. To, so, so you kind of expect the train to go where you thought it was going yeah. when you got on it. Yeah. A proper rail system would, would make sure that those announcements were, hit, were fed over the address, public address system in the train, not mm. just on the platform. Although the driver could do that, couldn't he, he or oh, she? Well, Apparently that's far too much to expect of the drivers. Oh, sorry. Okay. Right. Okay. 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 <laughs> Our drivers are so overtaxed already. Some of them, some of them apparently drive for up to five hours of the eight hours they're paid for. And of course, Metro get <laughs> therefore get the full incentive payment for meeting the time thing mm. by in fact not providing the mm. service. So mm-hmm. they, it's cheating. I don't even know it's well, cheating. It's, well, it's, it's clearly another, cheating. But well, yeah. it's no, it's 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 really the same issue as skipping skipping stations. It's, yeah. It's simply another way of skipping stations. And the same so, but it, it, it sort of goes to indicate the sort of the relationship that the operator has with the with the department. Mm. That, that, that you know, we, we'll we stop you doing that. Oh, well, we'll go and do this. It's it's obviously not a grown up. Mm. It's not a grown up relationship. It's it's. Well, they're, we're they're, going to try and do every little sneaky thing we can to get around what you want us to do. Well, they're meeting a target instead of concentrating on providing mm. a mm. decent service. Yeah. Yeah. But also in terms of incentive payments, uh, in the in the recent recent article again in the Age about the um, the tender out again to run the Mikey system mm. and it's running late apparently or whatever. But <laughs> nonetheless, the the Auditor General has has urged them to address how it monitors Mikey's performance. PTV does not adequately assure the reliability of results reported by the contractor that underpin incentive payments. Mm. So again, the the, attorney, the Auditor General in this case is saying that they've got they're not really they've got no real idea of what's going on. Mm. Well, that's a polite way of saying um, you got no idea all, what's going it's on. All a, it's all a stuff up, and um, you're supposed to be supervising this um, this system, and you you haven't ever put a proper proper supervising system in place. So you just take the word of the of the uh, of the system operator in mm. this case, Mikey, which is pretty mm. much what they do with Metro too. Yeah, mm. pretty much take the take the word of the operator. 
Um, yeah, it's just some. It's just some, generally, generally, um, it's generally it's slipshod and 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 you know nobody really cares as long as you know as long as something happens. That's good enough. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's talk about D-class trams. Yes. Well, I'm not even sure which one D-class trams are to be. Con- I must confess. They're the second newest? Yes. Well, I think that means they're either the... the they're probably the... No, I don't know quite. The, there's two lots that they got before they got the E-Class, which are the absolute newest. Yeah, they're running on the... Um, mostly on the Nicholson correct, Street correct. route. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and some of the previous ones are now running on my Royal Parade route. Right. Which well, are, well I presume D. the one you're talking about. They could about. well be Ds, yeah. 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 So what's, what's the... Is there a particular issue with the Ds? Well, I was asking myself, why are there so few chairs in the D-class yes, tram? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, have people stopped yeah. wanting to sit? No. But it turns out that actually um, the tram, when they originally made them, mm. um, developed very fine stress fractures. And oh, yes. So they had to take out a lot of chairs to reinforce all of those trams. Guess what? I'm, that means I know which one it is. It's, it's the Siemens ones, I think, the, ones, the German ones, yes, yes. 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 Can yeah. you tell us about that? Yeah, I can tell you. I can tell you roughly. Those trams um, worldwide. It wasn't just a Melbourne problem. Worldwide, the um, I think that some of the framing was aluminium. Aluminium, you've got to be very careful when you're using it because it can it's it can develop st- st- stress fractures much more easily than steel can. And yes, they've had to put in a whole lot of extra reinforcing to make make sure they are strong enough to last to the end of their their lifespan. And lo and behold, that's meant that they've had to take out seats to put in more more framing mm. to hold them together. Mm. And they never had many seats to begin with. <laughs> no, they'll have, they've also talked at times about taking seats out so more people can crowd on mm. by standing up. Well, that's, that's um, happened that's, with the B class. Yeah. But yeah. they never even have enough of those... Um, no. things that you hold on to with I your hands. With I, I, I often see areas where there's no one standing because yeah, there's... you can't hold on. Yeah. yeah. I agree totally. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's a problem with trains as well, even, mm, even, definitely. With, even with trains. They also, on those, on those that particular tram, mm. the, the button you've got to press to, mm. to let them know you want to get out at the next stop, there's, there's gaps between them. So mm. if you're crowd, in a crowded mm. tram, mm. you can't actually reach a point no. to press the button. No, you've, you've really got to go to the door forced. virtually to you, do it. Or ask somebody else to press it for you. Yeah. Even yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's another thing. Um, um, I don't know whether those things are specified by the operator or, or, or they're just part of the design. But 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 the fact that that so many public transport vehicles don't have enough things to hold on to mm. is bizarre, in my view. I mean, it's not that hard to put a strap. No, on. it's not. Well, actually, even I, th- well, I think maybe I think I think vertical. My view is that vertical <laughs> vertical poles are more useful than. <laughs> Than, than the actual strap strap mm. things. Don't you um, live and learn in this in this this show? We just learned that Corey's never made a tram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, she's a real girl, and isn't I thought, she? <laughs> I, thought, I thought everyone had made a tram. <laughs> hadn't, you, hadn't, you, hadn't you put one together in the sandpit? <laughs> hadn't you had the choo-choo in the, in the sandpit? No, apparently not. Okay. Um, uh, my view is that the vertical... Hand rails are much much more useful actually than than the, than the floppy things that hang from the ceiling because a number mm. of people can hold yeah. onto a pole. Yeah, mm. yeah the pole and, and, and they don't rock. They don't rock and rock backwards and forwards. I make a beeline for the pole. Yeah, well, it seems to me that the back of every seat on trams and trains should have a pole going up to the ceiling, and they don't. Mm. And uh, surely that would be extra reinforcing. Well, yeah, actually, it help keep the, brace the tram. You're quite right. We mm. help keep those D. D-class trains from falling apart. There you yeah. go, not just a pretty face. But, but uh, one, one of the issues... <laughs> Thank God for that. Yeah, well, it looks like she's, she's going to get into mechanical yeah. engineering next week. I, I won't be able to keep up. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. And look, you've got every right to get in. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, and I'll be paid... At least seventy nine percent of what a man would right. be paid. Right. That's right, one hundred and ten percent. But but <laughs> on new rolling can stock. I, no, no. Can I just make one more comment? Oh yeah, okay, sure, Johnny. Yeah, yeah, one more. One of the issues with the low floor trams, which I think, particularly the case of low low floor trams, is that you lose so many seats mm. because the things have have to be lower around the wheel set. You know, the wheels that roll down the track. When you get those big lumps inside the tram, that's where the wheels are. That 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 um, keep it on the track. Mm. And so suddenly where you can put the seats becomes dictated by the 
lumps that come up out of the floor. Mm. And on some trams, they do a better job than others of, of, of working around those lumps in the floor. I think the E-class are quite a lot better. They seem to have managed to keep... Which one's the E-class? The latest ones, oh, right, the okay. ones on Nicholson Street, yep. yeah. Of course, they have the low floor to be disability accessible. Yeah, and that's a good thing. Low floor is good, but low floor does make the design of the whole, the whole thing more, more difficult. Mm. Uh, and uh, it's taken taken the companies designing low floor trams quite a quite a while, maybe a couple of decades to to sort out all the issues to do with with um, you know de- dealing with where you can put the put the wheels and the wheels still have to be able to rotate rotate like a like a bogey does you know in a different direction to the actual body and things like that. You've, so you've got to you've got to work all that out and you've got to be able to um, put the motors that drive the wheels somewhere as well. So all those things um, mm. make life difficult when you're designing a low-floor low vehicle. Wouldn't the lower floor also be safer because it has a lower centre of gravity? Uh, no. It, in the end, it, because the speeds are pretty low, it doesn't make any difference. And mm. sadly, it does make any difference to say if the tram stops fast, people still get thrown off their feet in the low-floor tram just as much as they would in the tram. Mm. An ordinary tram, and also, you know, that's the, another reason, by the way, where you need lots of grab grab rails. Wh- one of the, when they jam the brakes, that's right, exactly. <laughs> one, one of the problems uh, it was originally when they brought in low floor was that there were only certain stops, so we knew that you know mm. if you happen to get in a wheelchair and get on a tram mm. at Collins Street or Correct. somewhere, you often couldn't get off till you got to the other end of the line or came back to the stop you got on on because there was nowhere to get off. Well, um, of course, you weren't, couldn't have got on a high floor tram. No, well, that, that's improved anyway. But, yeah, but that's it strikes starting me to improve. Also, even though they've got the tram stops now for low floor trams, mm. lots of the trams are not low floor. So, that's right. So mm. if you're in a wheelchair, you've really got to wait till the right tram comes along, you do. I assume. You do. Yeah, it's it's yeah. still a problem. It's still a problem, yeah. And they, yeah. they're very slowly dealing with it, yeah. But, but they're now talking about having the high floor trams around for at least another 20 years, if not more. Mm. Well, that's about the. They're always going to make public transport totally accessible to people with disabilities in 15 years. Mm. Oh. It's always in 15 years. It has mm. been since about 1980. Mm. And it still is, um, which is great. The, mm. On that point about new rolling stock, mm. they've announced again they're still talking about this um, high capacity trains on the Cranbourne yes. Pakenham line yes. and longer than the current ones, and they can, they reckon they can carry 11,000 customers. Um, they can increase customers mm. by 11,000 during peak hour. Mm. Um, mm. And they've, they've ordered 37 of them. And there seems to be a fairly long gap before they're going to arrive, I think. But nonetheless, at least mm. they're still promised. Yes, yes. Well, they have, they're, moving, they're moving on that one. I'm not quite clear whether the high-capacity trains are actually going to be that much longer than the present trains um, because there's, there's a requirement that the, um, that the platforms be lengthened a lot. Lengthened from, from at the moment, platforms can take a six, six or seven-car train. Most all the trains are six car, and they and they, but they on the new um, Melbourne Metro, they want to extend the um, platform lengths there to nine nine cars. But I don't think the high capacity trains are actually a nine car train. I think they're going to be the longest train they can put on the present platforms, and they'll be and they'll become high capacity by having fewer seats and more standing room. So the, is, is nine carriages um, something that they have in a lot of other places? It's, it varies a hell of a lot between six six cars, even even less than that in, in some places. But six six cars is quite is quite normal length. But there are plenty of places in Europe where where trains are up to 12, 12 cars long on on the uh, suburban suburban mm. services. And you'd have to have longer stations. That's right. Yeah, well, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and and of course the city loop is a is an issue. It's an issue because it, it sort of dictates six or perhaps seven car trains because of the length of the stations. And it's, you could possibly extend the platforms a bit, but extending them to nine car, nine car long underground stations would be quite awkward. Mm. Mm. I was having another read yesterday um, about the airport Western Ring Road mm-hmm. and, and yeah. about how everyone except for the roads minister yeah. thinks that there should be a railroad out to yes, the yes, um, yes, airport. Yes. Um, so the roads minister said that we need more capacity in the city before building outwards because the city part of the rail line, he said, can't mm. physically take any more passages. Is that true? No. It's it's they're using the excuse of we can't do anything till we build build Melbourne Metro. Mm. 
to um, not do anything until they build Melbourne Metro. <laughs> <laughs> um, and well, then, of course, Melbourne Metro will have sucked up all the funds that they might have used on other projects. So that nothing will be built after they've built Mel- Melbourne Metro either. Um, um, I I think you could get a, you could get a rail line to the airport a lot, whole lot cheaper than the, the present plan. The present plan is a three billion dollar project running the trains via um, Sunshine and, and St Albans. I I think that you could run a branch line across from just north of Broadmeadow Station. There's actually a a right of way across there because it's under the flight path of the um, planes coming into the cross, cross runway at the airport, so you don't even have to knock down any houses to go that way. And it's about seven kilometres. And based on the cost of a very similar rail line in, built in suburban Brisbane just, just last year, it would cost around about $500 million, which would be, you know, a, a sixth... Of the cost that the, 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 the department saving. claims that it cost, yeah, mm. and that was for a very comparable project with with um, some elevated lines and, and um, stations in the air at the airport and all all those sort of things. It was very comparable. And also, they were talking about that it wouldn't be economically viable until there were forty million passengers mm. in ten mm. years' time. Apparently, Melbourne Airport services thirty two million passengers mm. a year at the time mm. at the moment. Um, but in Brisbane, um, mm-hmm. it's fifteen dollars to get out to the airport mm. on mm. the airport line. Mm. So, mm. like, I don't mm. know. I think haven't they heard of price gouging? Well, that's the that's the thing. I, I don't I don't believe that that the uh, if they build a line to the Melbourne Airport, it should be a a, um, a like standalone it. private. Private mm. line; it should be part of the normal Mikey mm. system at normal Mikey fares. Yeah, and then you'd also have a station halfway between Broadmeadows and the airport for West Meadows, which would be a good location for bus bus services to feed into from lots of those north northwestern suburbs, and also have park and ride as well. And you'd run it all as part of the um, normal normal Met service. Fifteen thousand people work at the airport. It's a big. Gen- and it's a huge generator of trips. Not only, not only people who fly, but people who, you know, all sorts of people go to the airport. Mm. So it's a very big generator of trips. So I don't see why it shouldn't be part of the normal, normal uh, rail system. And if that, and if you find that a bit low rent, well, I, I can't. There could still be a, a, comp- a competing luxury bus service, if you like. You know, you know, um, Skybus, Skybus Extra, or some Skybus Plus. You know, where you pay. Mm. Twenty-five bu- bucks, and you get a seat with nice. Fur and you've on. got to allow for the billions that Transurban or Clave in compensation oh, for their no, contract. No, 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 no. That is one of the fur. <laughs> that is one of the fur fees. There is no. There is no need for a rail oh, line good, to good, pay off. Good. Pay off Transurban. Um, so, so well, that's that's, that's my my, so my view is you could get a useful part of the Melbourne Met- Metro service extension. It would be useful to not only the airport but the whole northwest. And you could do it for half a, half a billion. Uh, some of the trains that now go to Craigieburn, you would divert to go to the airport. So it would become part of the Craigieburn, Broadmeadows, Upfield service. Uh, and that's that way you wouldn't have to develop extra capacity um, um, in the city because the, the, the trains would be part of those the normal present services that run on those those three two lines now, three three in the future. And you can do it. You could do it at a you know at a bearable price. And and opinion polling shows that the airport rail line is the one thing that everybody in Melbourne agrees they want a rail line to the airport. So that's why they're getting another road. Even the <laughs> airport CEO wants it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He, he, on retiring, he said that's the, right. he said the roads. Whatever you do to the roads, they won't be able to that's won't right. be able to cater for it. Well, he's, a, the rail well line. He's, he's sort of admitting by that that there's a limit to how much parking they can build. I think. Oh, mm. True. Because um, they make a huge amount of their profit comes from car John, parking. With time, I would say that the only person in Victoria who doesn't want a railroad out. To the airport is Luke Donnellan, mm-hmm. the would, roads minister. I would too. Yeah, that was interesting. You told us that because now we know who the roads minister is. But um, the uh, uh, probably Jacinda <laughs> Allen doesn't really either. She's the public, public transport, transport minister. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but they have separate road and public transport. Is interesting. I think that yes. reflects something, doesn't it? But mm. John, the a couple of letters to the Herald Sun last mm. week. Um, uh, I'll, I'll 
truncate them a bit, but I tried the new train timetable on Monday with the regional rail link yeah. in use for the first time. I now have to take a V-line train from Little River to Wyndham Vale, a bus to Werribee and a suburban train to Aircraft Station. Took an hour to get there, an hour and 20 minutes to get mm-hmm. home. Used to take uh, 35 to 40. She says I'll now have to drive on most days, something I really didn't want to do. Another letter, same day, until Monday, residents of Truganina had a bus service from Williams Landing Railway Station to Werribee Station via the Werribee Plaza. Now, due to the rail link, the people have been left out in the cold. A lot of people moved into Palm Lake Retirement Resort because of handy public transport. Incidentally, there is no bus shelter. Also, buses from Williams Landing to Tony are still infrequent to 40-minute intervals and do not run to the timetable. So, two yep, complaints yep, about it. Yep. Well, well I, all I can say is I told you so. Um, <laughs> I've been I've been saying ever since they they they, they wanted to build the regional rail, rail link that it was really insane. Gee, they'll to feel have, better now, John. To have, <laughs> to have, the, to have the, um, the Geelong line trains bypassing Werribee was really crazy because Werribee is the major hub of activity between Geelong and Melbourne. So to, to 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 divert the trains away from that on their way between Melbourne and Geelong is just. It's just crazy. I don't think anywhere else in the world would do anything quite that silly. Um, and um, I, I raised it with as many people as I could way back when the thing was first proposed, but I don't think anybody really believed it was going to be like it is until it actually happens, which is usually the way. Mm. Um, you know, that's why they get away with these, these insane things in Victoria. We always can have believe. hope. Well, nobody believes that the, the, the powers that be can, can be as custody and, and, as, and, as, and as crazy as they turn out to be, yeah. yeah <laughs> I, had, right. I had planned to spend a bit of time talking about how we provide infrastructure and how big business is running it, but we'll do that next month, because okay, yeah. there's a lot on that at the moment. Yeah, so, it can still, yeah. still keeps happening. Yeah, yeah it won't, won't change between now and next month. No. no, no. <laughs> so <laughs> you're listening to City Limits on 3CR 855 AM. Or maybe on 3cr.org.au. The time is 9.57. And what's happening next week? Uh, Well, it's Energy Day. And we are, as I said earlier, we are hoping to talk to a couple of people who are making a film about the Morwell fires last year and the aftermath of it. Um, and uh, if we, we, I've got their contact numbers, and I'm hoping to get onto them. There's a bloke and a woman who are making it, as far as I know, and we'll get onto one of them by next week, hopefully, and confirm it and get them on because it's an interesting subject. And you know, clearly mm. there were massive problems, and so much so the government's been forced to reopen the royal commission or the inquiry into it or whatever because the, you know, there's more happened since then in terms of illnesses, etc. So it's a serious mm. one.